Alrighty, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and this is episode number 468, and we're recording live on June the 9th. Abriana, how are you doing this week? Hanging in there, checking my mental health, you know, doing all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's, it's, it's been a good week so far. Uh, it's only Tuesday, so, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it's been good. It's been hot up here. Like, uh, you know, for us, like it's not, it's not summer yet, obviously. Uh, and, uh, but today in Toronto, it's like 90 degrees. Like it's, it's crazy. Like it's a little too hot for, you know, June, early June in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, this is like Atlanta is the home of heat and humidity. So well, and the problem is, is when, when, when I see this heat, I expect the baseball, you know, no baseball. <laughs> That's kind of what happens in my mind. We'll be lucky like baseball and we'll summer. We'll be lucky if we get, what, like 45 games this year or something? You got to get something. <laughs> we'll see. So. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, all right. Well, we've got a good show for you this week. We've got three industry news stories and a guest in our Members at Home series. So I'll just, uh, we'll just jump right into it and let Abriana kick it off. All right. So um, there's kind of a, a new location intelligence company that um, is emerging here in the U.S. It's called Incognia, and they're launching with, um, it's called a beha location behavior biometrics platform. Um, and so basically what it is, is they have an API and SDK that they are offering to businesses to help. Um, minimize mobile fraud. So this is for purchases, uh, you know, when anything comes to financial transactions, banking, fintech, uh, anything like that, obviously it's a growing industry. Global mobile payments, they reported, the market is reaching 4.7 trillion by 2025. So obviously where there's a lot of money, there's going to be a lot of fraud. Um, and so some of the, the key features that they are talking about that they can, they can do with their technology is they can do um, continuous address verification. So um, making sure that people you know, haven't moved or that they really live at the address that they're claiming. Um, also location fingerprints. So they can kind of, uh, they can use different data sources within um, their, their tech platform to say that um, this is the behavior, this is pattern, you know, this is the normal pattern and behavior of these users. And so when those change, they can obviously maybe flag that. Um, so they also talk about device integrity and trusted location um, APIs. So just validating the device's integrity, making sure nothing's been compromised. Also, um, you know, looking for, um, you know, in-app transactions and flag attempts for uh, account takeovers, all of those different things. So things that we don't even think about, like when we want to make sure that we're safe. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we, this is interesting to me because obviously um, with my time at Digital Element, this is something that we have worked on a lot. A lot of our clients use our data, you know, for fraud prevention, whether that's, um, you know, click fraud for ad, you know, advertising but also obviously a lot within the financial institutions. And it is such a huge industry. It's like, you know, the, the, um, even a lot of nonprofits, you know, I remember, I think it was, um, one, uh, I'm trying to remember which nonprofit it was, but there's a ton of different, you know, nonprofits that we've worked with over the years because people want to donate money, but the way that actually a lot of uh, mobile ad fraud works or, or mobile fraud works or any financial fraud works is they'll try and donate to, let's say like, 
the Red Cross, American Red Cross, they'll try to donate $5 to see if that credit card number is good. And then they'll try to um, swipe that, that transaction for something else, which will be like, you know, $5,000 somewhere else. And what happens is those nonprofits then, you know, incur a lot of um, fraud penalties and fees and things that they have to, you know, then reverse. And so they are always looking for solutions that can help minimize that type of thing. So I think that this is a really um, interesting time to come out with anything location related, but the fact that it's due to mobile payments, um, I think is, you know, going to give them a, a good start. Obviously people are moving around a little bit less right now, but as things start to open up again, and even when people are shopping from home, they're still doing this from their phone. So it's a, a company to watch out for, Incognia. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm excited by this uh, this announcement as well. I think it, it's it's um, you know unfortunately uh, you know a sector that we we don't talk as much about um, you know when it comes to using location data, and yet you know there's so much opportunity in the financial services and banking sector, and I think you know, um, fraud, uh, and using, you know, like we, we know what happens. We know it's sort of behind the scenes, like, you know, you know, on my American express card, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, from time to time, I get a phone call from them saying, Hey, you know, we see a transaction. It doesn't fit with your normal, you know, location behavioral patterns. Like, you know, are you actually in, you know, Argentina right now or not? Like, you know, and, and so using data, you know, and and location to understand where somebody is in real time and how you can prevent, you know, uh, fraud in that sense, I think is is a powerful thing. And I think doing it in a privacy compliant uh, framework, I think is, is good too. Um, you know, these guys, uh, Andre Faraz, who's the uh, founder and CEO of Incognia, um, you know, they, they've been in this space for a long time. So they, you know, previously he built uh, in loco. Um, which was another, um, you know, sort of player in the location data and privacy space. And so I guess, you know, just kind of continuing to move forward with, um, you know, advancing uh, solutions and technologies, uh, you know, in the space. But, you know, I, I think right now, to your point, I think the, um, the need to focus on how we do this in a trusted data, you know, gathering framework and in a privacy compliant framework I think is, is really important. And so I, I, I like how they've sort of, you know, specified their different APIs and solutions. And I think it creates a lot of opportunities for other partners to, to work with them, you know, not just direct clients, but other, you know, B2B type of partnerships, you know, even guys like, like, like your company and, and others. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how it plays out. And, you know, I, I think, um, there's applications for this even, you know, well beyond just the financial services sector, but uh, yeah, super interesting. Okay, completely shifting gears now onto our second story. Uh, into the retail uh, sector, uh, there's a company out there called Liquid Core Gum Company. And these guys are operating in, in the Denver area right now. And they've got, uh, basically have come up with some dispensing machines um, like kind of like vending machines, but not really. Um, they're dispensing machines for uh, products called Apollo Energy Gum, Golf Gum, and Synapse, which is a CBD gum. All dispense from their machines, which they call space stations, uh, which are about the size of a Keurig uh, machine. And you basically dispense the gum by using, uh, sending a text message from your cell phone to the machine. 
The idea is, is that to come up with a new way to do product sampling in a touch-free framework, you know, a la the challenges that we have in a COVID time. And the reason I pulled this story out this week is, is that, you know, obviously we're all kind of dealing with COVID right now, but in the retail sector, you know, one of the things like even, even a big, huge brand like Costco, you know, is, is trying to figure out ways to continue to provide the experience, you know, that people are used to in terms of trying and sampling, you know, new products and new food items and new whatever. Um, but how are they going to do that in, in an environment where, you know, sanitation and, you know, just pr uh, safety protocols need to be in place. And I think, you know, I, I thought this was an interesting way to kind of go about it where it's sort of the product is contained in a machine and can be released to you touch free, uh, you know, by simply texting, you know, to, to, the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the machine itself. Um, it, it harkens back to, I, I know it was never done commercially, but, you know, Oreo, if you remember, used to have these, um, you know, at South by Southwest had these 3D printing, you know, where, where they pr print cookies. And there were a number of different sort of vending machine type things, you know, sort of showcased at South by over the last couple of years that, you know, sort of were activated through uh, text messages or uh, tweets or different kinds of things like that. And I, I think there's something there now that can really be driven forward in a COVID time uh, just, you know, by the needs of what we have to do um, in, in having things be touch-free. Same as we're driving towards touch-free payments um, and tap and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, I think there's something here around product sampling that uh, could, you know, see uh, some, some pretty uh, strong uh, adoption going forward. So, yeah, anyways, they're called Space Stations from Liquid Core Gum, Com Gum Company out of uh, Denver. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's pretty, um, I don't know, we've seen, we've seen, uh, I, I can't remember what the other story was, it wasn't that long ago, but they were talking about dispensing something, um, it, you know, from these sort of a similar type of scenario, but it wasn't touch free, which was like the problem with it, right? The vending machines. Um, but I like that, that people are thinking about how can I minimize, you know, uh, spread of germs and, you know, sharing these things and like money is such a dirty thing anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is interesting. I wonder like, you know, we're constantly thinking about how, how consumer behavior is going to change uh, because of this pandemic and because of, you know, just uh, technology, technology offerings and new changes that are available to us as consumers. And obviously a lot of people are like, let's shop from, you know, let's, let's shop from home even more, um, you know, food delivery. But now, you know, thinking about how can the consumers still have some level of experience, you know, going out without having to, um, you know, start as we start to get back out, uh, you know, without having to like touch and share germs. And I like this. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing for me now going out is not necessarily like the fear of just being around other people as much as it is like when I go to check out, like that's the one time you have to, you know, touch something. If, if you don't offer Apple pay, that's like the only option, you know, and there's a lot of stores that still don't take that. So I think it's important to keep thinking about and iterating on these ideas of, um, you know, how consumer behavior is changing. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's a good move, and, and we're going to see all sorts of new. I, I think one of the the good the positive things coming out of COVID, I, I, 
in, in the retail sector, restaurant industries, you know, c- consumer facing uh, markets, I think is that uh, it's actually going to take a lot of the technologies that we've been talking about for years now and actually push them forward uh, into the market a lot faster than, you know, we might have um, thought, right? Because I think it's just necessity is driving them into market all you know the need for touch-free the need for sanitary you know sanitary based you know solutions um you know and payments and all these different areas i I think we're going to see just you know much faster adoption on some of these kinds of things so yeah all right so that's our first two stories we do have one more uh which we'll come back to shortly but before we go there i had a chance to sit down with our guest for this week and uh, as you know, we've been doing this uh, series ever since we've been on COVID uh, isolation time. Uh, we call it Members at Home. And uh, the idea is we talk to different members uh, and kind of just hear from them how it's been working from home and how it's affected their, their work environments and so on. Uh, and this week, I had a chance to sit down with Patrick Wand. Uh, that's W-A-N-D. And he's the Senior IT Project Manager for Mall of America. Patrick's been there for a long time. I think he's coming on almost 16 years uh, at Mall of America. So certainly, uh, you know, uh, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge in, in retail and technology. And, um, uh, you know, my understanding is, is that uh, they're just about to reopen. So uh, probably lots going on there. So anyways, uh, here he is, Patrick Wand, Senior IT Project Manager of Mall of America. Alrighty, uh, very excited this week as uh, we continue our members at home uh, part of the uh, podcast series as we've been doing these interviews uh, each week with different folks uh, while we've been in COVID uh, isolation. This week I'm very excited. We have Patrick Wand. He's Senior IT Project Manager at the Mall of America. Patrick, welcome. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we, you know, it's interesting, like normally with the LBMA, we've got our, our physical conferences that we run throughout the year. You've been a speaker at those in the past, and now we're doing everything virtual. So, uh, you know, what we've been doing with a lot of these interviews is just, you know, what's that been like? Kind of being at home, working from home, you know, family around maybe, I don't know if you, if, you know, what your living situation is, but what's that like? Well, it's been really different. Um... You know, my experience, I have three small children at home. Um, I have a wife who's a teacher. So it wasn't just me having to go work from home. My wife had to go home and learn how to teach from home um, to kindergartners. Um, and, you know, from a work standpoint, uh, being in IT, yeah, I focus on projects, but we're, we're service first. So we support um, the executive and business staff. And so we had to uh, figure out a strategy to allow for folks to work from home and work for home well and understand our issues that they're having related to their home internet and their routers or is it related to the uh, systems that we have set up for uh, MOA. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a trying experience um, and honestly I think it's, it's made us stronger and more than likely has made us think uh, more long term on what the other side of COVID looks like uh, when we return. Like, how do we do business now? Um, do we need the same amount of people in, in the office at a time? Um, I would say we don't, um, and it's been eye-opening in that way. 
Yeah, I know it's super and I appreciate you bringing up kind of, you know, the family uh, situation and, and your wife as well, because, you know, in my case, you know, we have we have two kids uh, a little bit, you know, older ones. One's in grade 11 in high school. The other one's uh, just finishing up in grade eight. But uh, it, it's been it's been interesting, like, you know, kind of as parents, you know, sort of getting into the homeschooling piece of it, but also like just seeing the. Uh, you know, sort of the, in the each teacher has their own approach. Some uh, are really doing a great job and working really hard to try and create something that's engaging for you know for the kids, and others like you know are, are barely doing anything. And, and you know, it, it's really fascinating because there's no standard, there's no way that it has to be done, uh, at least up here in in Ontario where I am. And yeah, it, it's been it's been interesting to watch. Um, there was no standard down here either. Um, it was, they had to figure it out. I think they were given a week in Minnesota. The governor said, this starts maybe March 25th and from March 18th through the 22nd, uh, they all met to figure out how they were going to do this. Um, and it, it's been interesting. Um, I haven't had to multiply mixed fractions in a long time. And I have my son in the middle of a call asking me, how to multiply one and three quarters with one and seven eighths. And it's like, well, I will consult my friend Google because uh, I, I, I forgot how to do that. Yes. Um, there's a good app I'll share with you uh, offline that uh, my daughter introduced us to, to that basically you take a picture of the, of the word problem or the problem and it, it solves it for you just from the interesting. Image. Yeah. Is, it the new, is it the new math, the way that they're making kids Yeah, yeah the new math. The way that you and I learned it is <laughs> algorithm method, and it, that's apparently not right. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so um, on, the, on the business front, um, you know, uh, you guys have been shut down, uh, not operating. You're about to reopen tomorrow, in fact, uh, is the big, the big day. Um, so has there been, like, from a tenant perspective, have you seen, you know, any evidence of uh, of any of the the retailers, the brands that are in the mall, you know, sort of finding ways to continue to do business in the interim before you kind of get there? And what's that look like? Yeah, it's you know, we did a lot working close with the state of Minnesota um, in the in the governor's office to understand, you know, what what could be done, right? And there were separate phases, and so we did a lot to reconfigure some of our parking spots on the north side so that uh, tenants that were fitting into the, the schema of um, a phase one could stay open and do curbside pickup. Um, and it wasn't a lot, it was like 20 or 25 or so tenants, but it allowed us um, a, just a different way to allow some tenants to stay open. Um, unfortunately, with them all being the size that it is, um, it's really hard to do that, but now we've thought, okay, we've, we've reconfigured the, the north part of our lot. How do we take the east and the west and reconfigure those areas? Because curbside isn't going away. Like, I am a huge proponent in my personal life of using curbside. I do it all the time at hardware stores, grocery stores, uh, Target, uh, you name it. Yeah. We're seeing the same with some of the malls. Like none of the malls here in Toronto, where I am, are, are are open yet. But there are certainly some of them have done exactly that. Like they've opened up like one entrance for, 
you know, the, the tenants that are sort of right there by that entrance with like, you know, a path from the door, like cordoned off to just right to their, to, to their entrance, to their store in the mall. And like another path to this other one, like, and that's the only two you can go to kind of thing. Like it, it's, it's super interesting to see. Um, from a technology point of view, one thing that we've, we've been asking all, all of our guests is, have you found any new tools in terms of how you stay in touch with colleagues? Obviously, Zoom has become a big thing. We've heard a lot of people talking about Slack and other tools. Like, what, what are you guys doing in terms of how you stay connected? So we actually were one of the early, I mean, I don't call it early, but we've been using Microsoft Teams for okay. a long time. Um, and so, you know, Teams has the ability to collaborate. Um, and it was sort of um, a nice way for us to say, okay, we're going to use Teams more often, right? And so I think our leadership did a great job of setting the expectation about, hey, this is the tool we're going to use. We're going to treat work like a nine to five. So we, you know, our expectation is, you know, most of these calls are going to be on video. Um, and it, it, it's still, you were still able to create that human interaction uh, when you were working with a colleague on a project or on a task or, or those things. Um, you know, but I would say, you know, we still use Skype for business, which I guess in, in teams, they're, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, and so well, we What's that? I said same company. It's owned by Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but it's been really good because, you know, those, we've been using those uh, to, you know, have face-to-face -face conversations, which I think is, you know, I think some people forgot the human element of, of work. Um, it's that human interaction, right? Um, and being on a phone call or a chat, you don't necessarily get that all the time. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to read, uh, you know, sort of, you know, gestures and just, you know, people's, uh, you know, sort of feeling and expression, right? Just on on a video call uh, all the time. But cool. Um, so on on the reopening, um, in terms of you know tomorrow and kind of where you're going to be going for the next weeks and months. Are there any like really just cool new technologies that you guys have found that you've made investments in that are going to help sort of be able to manage, um, you know, COVID compliance restrictions, monitoring, you know, whatever that might be? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, we um, we looked at a lot of different things. Um, we were lucky enough, um, I would say, in the last couple of years, um, two years ago, we invested in um, a, a parking system called Park Assist. Um, and we're going to be able to use that heavily to understand exactly the 98 to 99% accuracy, how many cars are in our lot. Um, and so then we can determine a factor based on how many people we think based potentially on census information on how many people are per vehicle. Um, the benefit that we have is being such a large space. Um, our capacity at 50% is almost 100,000 people, right? Um, and so we uh, just need to, um, you know, make sure that we're uh, understanding what that is. And we've taken some data sets and we've combined them uh, to, to understand what our occupancy is. Cool, cool. But uh, so, uh, but other than the parking uh, piece, like no new technologies, you know, that you've sort of put into the, the mall itself um, in terms of this. No, I mean, we've done some other things with some uh, some people counters, um, you know, at some entrances, but nothing on a grandest scale. Um, the issue that we had is just um, some of that stuff is, yeah, I wouldn't call it um, too expensive as much as it's just, um, 
time consuming to put in. And we had data sets that we sort of thought outside the box that we could use to get that tool. And we're working really, really, really hard with our operational staff to really set the expectation on where guests can go and where they can park. Half of our parking won't even be available to our guests. Yeah. And that is cool. Last question for you. And it, you know, it's, it's unique to you uh, of all the interviews we've done uh, recently. Um, you know, just given where you are, given all that's going on in America, the protests and all of that, are you, is that something that plays into your reopening tomorrow at all? Is it something that you're concerned about, um, you know, at all? Is that a factor? I think, you know, we, I work for a great company that always um, looks after the employee. Um, we work for our family. Um, we love, we have fun jobs and, and I feel blessed to have leadership that has made sure that the folks that have been affected have been able to spend time and make sure that everything is okay. And that's never going to change, right? Um, we have utmost confidence in everybody um, to manage our, our reopening. And um, yeah, we, you know, there've been discussions on it, but um, I think we're ready. And I think um, we are excited for, for tomorrow um, and, and, and hopefully uh, things go well. Yeah, well, I'm, we're excited for you, and uh, I just thank you for taking time out of what I'm sure is a crazy busy schedule to get ready for tomorrow. And again, for our audience, uh, viewers, and li uh, listeners out there, we've been chatting with Patrick Wan from uh, Mall of America. Patrick, thank you so much for taking time. We really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Patrick. Really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule as you're getting ready to reopen. And uh, we, uh, we wish you all the success with that. And um, we uh, will catch up with you soon at uh, one of our conferences uh, virtually, uh, if not in person. So thanks. All right. So our final story today is um, one that we've, you know, from a company we've been talking a lot about recently, but Pinterest um, is now allowing consumers to shop with their camera. So before you could search with your camera, but now the lens feature is actually letting you shop. It's pretty cool. I was testing it out um, a little bit before uh, we jumped on. And uh, basically you can use the camera in the search bar and you can e either use like a, a saved image from a screenshot or you can actually just scan a product and then it will show you shoppable pins right there where you can just go um, directly and link to any you know number of things that would be similar to what you took a picture of. Um, and each product will link to a checkout page within a retailer's site. So it's directly linked, which is really nice. And um, I like their, their tagline is, if you can see it, you can shop it. Yeah. Um, what's also interesting is that they said that uh, the number of visual searches using the Pinterest camera has tripled since 2019. So, you know, more and more people want to use this feature. They're looking for specific things. I know I have, you know, I have used this a lot because sometimes, I don't, for example, like on Instagram, I'll see there's all these little boutiques, right? So they have like all these little shops and a lot of them have the same exact offerings, you know, but they're like, you know, just cheap, trendy women's wear, for example, and you find it on one and then it's gone and you can't find it there anymore. Or, you know, they're out of it, but you could just take a picture of that and find it, you know, within Pinterest probably. So, um, you know, you can also take, um, uh, images from offline or online and they'll show you similar items for sale um, from a range of retailers in the different prices which is great 
Um, and I think, you know, bottom line is that I think this is a great feature. This is how consumers want to shop. They want to be able to find things that look specifically like something else that they can reference. And so I think this is really easy. It's consumer friendly. And I mean, this is how it's a great time for this because this is how we're shopping right now. Like we're shopping from home. We're trying to find something that we already had previously that maybe we can't find anymore, you know, where we had bought it before. There's a lot of shortages on things. So being able to find, um, you know, where to buy it, how much and directly get there all within one app, I think is really great. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I got nothing bad to say about this. I think this is the, the way all of these social platforms need to be going. Um, you know, I think Amazon was the first to kind of go in this direction some years ago, although I haven't really seen them pushing, uh, you know, the technology in this way, but, you know, think about, the size of Amazon's marketplace and all the variety of product that's available there and just being able to take a photo, scan an image and be able to find, you know, that product or something similar on Amazon and pay for it, you know, through, you know, your, your integrated uh, account there. Um, and I think Pinterest is, is, you know, ideally set up for this, right? I think that, you know, with the boards and people saving items for whatever, it is that they're you know sort of into whether that's cooking or weddings or home design or office design <laughs> now that we're all creating home offices whatever it is you know but being able to just shop that right then and there and i think it's uh you know we we talked a lot on this show um and at recent lpma retail local conferences about kind of the growth in voice search but you know as we've been talking about that we've also you know been talking about visual search and I think the two together are really changing completely the way businesses need to uh, design and optimize themselves, you know, to be found uh, in, in terms of how people want to find them. I think we're going very quickly away from where we just key in things on Google, uh, you know, and look for it that way. And so being able to not just be optimized for traditional, you know, uh, search engine, you know, keyword based. Um, results, but having your your products, you know, your your catalog, if you will, you know, uh, digitized and images, uh, and you know, and also having that tied to voice, you know, together is really what a lot of businesses need to get ready for. Because it's not, you know, saying, hey, I took a photo of this, and Pinterest has their, you know, their giant sort of inventory and catalog of stuff is one thing, but for the individual retailers and brands. They have to get ready for that. They have to make sure that their images and their keywords, their tags and metadata associated with that, are all linked up, right? Um, so that it can it can happen and, and people can find you when they're trying to find you quickly instead of finding your competitor. Um, so that's I just think something that needs to to happen as an industry. But I'm I'm all in favor of Pinterest kind of jumping on this, and I think it's a great move by them. So yeah, so that's it. That's our show for this week. Three industry news stories. Patrick Wand uh, from Mall of America, uh, excited to uh, to be able to talk about all these things this week. And uh, you know, we just uh, wish everybody continued health and safety uh, and happiness in this time. Uh, I know it's hard for a lot of people. You know, been st stuck at home for a long time. You know, I still got another three three weeks of homeschool over here. Uh, you know, to go through before summer break. Um, so we're we're all we're all you know struggling through, but uh, there's you know there, there's definitely lots of silver lining uh, moments uh, in this too. So look for those, 
and uh, just stay uh, safe and, and, and healthy. Um, and we'll be back next week with episode number 469. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. And uh, contact information is at the end of the show. So reach out if you've got ideas or you want to talk to us. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.